Welcome to our all-ages worship gathering. You know, we wouldn't know that uh, from this second gathering, probably, that it's the all-ages worship gathering. But at 9 o'clock, this place was packed, and it was filled with kids. And, uh, you know, we've got our all-ages worship team. Let's hear some snaps for our all-ages worship team that is largely student-led. You may have noticed that. And we also had a couple of, um, you know, parents... uh, Children, they're teens, they probably don't want to be called children, but, you know, we had some family relationships up here, and uh, it's just has been a really sweet day, and, you know, these all-ages worship gatherings um, are also really special because we all get to gather around the Lord's table, and we get to be the Lord's family all at once, so it's a, it's a great celebration. Well, welcome. Uh, if you've been with us for several weeks now, in the last eight to ten weeks, we have been in this really epic series um, called The Call living a life of discipleship, and um, it's been an, it was an intentionally a very practical series. It was, it was intended to be um, a way that we could demystify what this biblical-sounding word discipleship means, um, and it was a, also a way that we could look at, like, well, if, you, if I want to be a disciple of Jesus, what's, what's that going to look like? What are, uh, how, how might my life look at that? And so when we, we're going to do a little review, right? Ten weeks and two minutes. Time me. Uh, so when Pastor Ben kicked this off, he was like, all right, we want to be people who model after Jesus. As Jesus followers, we want to model after, G- after Jesus, but we can't really model Jesus unless we have proximity to him. And so we need to get close with God and get up close to him. And that's going to be at the beginning of our discipleship relationship. And then we, uh, we looked at some of the several questions that Jesus would be asking. What are the things that Jesus might ask of us if we say, Jesus, I want to follow after you? What are those things that Jesus says, okay, well then here's some things that I'm going to ask of you as a disciple. So obviously, you know, we're going to, he's going to ask that we follow after him, that we follow him in, in his mission um, of doing his kingdom work. So that means moving away from the direction of, I've got a mission for my life, Lord, and, and moving toward, God, I want to follow you in your mission, and I want to be a partner in your mission. That's a pretty big step as Jesus invites us to be fishers of people from that famous Bible story that we've all heard. And then, uh, you know, then he asks us, you know what? Jesus asks us not to be, try to be perfect religious people. He's not asking me to, us to, to be Bible experts or to be good Christians, but instead, he asks us to be re, uh, faithfully responsive to him. I forget who preached that phrase, but isn't that good? That we would be faithfully responsive to Jesus in all aspects of our life, so that, and, and all in, down even into the deepest parts of our personhood. Uh, and that's a big call. Um, and then he asks us that we might be willing to f- follow him into the unknown, that we would be people who live not by sight, but that we would be people who live by faith, and that we would settle in our own personhood that, um, that, that we want to invite Jesus into, into all of ourselves. And then in just these last couple of weeks, we've discussed what it, uh, what it looks like to, to put some structures, some tangible, practical structures into our life uh, in, in a way that will assist us in shaping our lives so that we could be deeper disciples of Jesus. And then lastly, you know, that's going to require of us, if we want to go that far, it's, it's going to require us to be good stewards of those things that God gives us that we're able to give back to him, those things like how we spend our time, those things like our treasures and our talents. Those are things that God entrusts to us and we can reinvest them in the kingdom. 
So, wow, so that was 10 weeks in a two-minute review, and, uh, you know, it's been a ridiculously thorough look at discipleship, but, you know, as we live lives, we want, as we endeavor to live these lives of discipleship, we, we're really genuinely saying our whole lives, like, I mean, we're always disciples uh, of, of Jesus. You know, I, as I look around, I see um, a fair amount of gray hair and white hair in this second gathering, and uh, we're a uh, multi-generational church, but you, some of you... Uh, know what, what I'm talking about. Like, the more and more we say, Jesus, I want to be your disciple, the more we look into that, the more we dig into God's word, the more and more we realize that Jesus will never stop wanting to disciple us. Can I get an amen if that's been your life story? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're always going to be disciples, disciples of Jesus. And yet, and yet, there will come a point in our, in our following Jesus journey where all of the things that we've learned, all of our discipleship, all of our personal growth that's come about from being in close proximity to Jesus, there will come a point in every disciple's life when that discipleship gets activated. It gets switched on like a switch. And then all of a sudden, we are no longer just disciples. We are the ones who are introducing people to Jesus. And that will happen in the life of every disciple, Jesus said. So here's a little known thing about, about me. Uh, when, in my undergrad days, I was a music education major, and there was a time when I, when I envisioned my life, when I grew up, that I was going to be a collegiate-level choral conductor. So yeah, those people that wave their arms around and, and, uh, and lead the choir. And uh, you know, I, I was a music education major, like I said, I, and, and I did lots of singing, you know, choral music, opera, and that kind of thing. But what I was really passionate about, what I really wanted to learn, is I wanted to be a conductor of my own choir. And if you're a, a non-musical person, you might wonder, why do, they, why do you need that person up there doing, waving their arms? Um, but if you are a musical person, if you've been in a choir or an orchestra, you know fully well that the conductor, is the, he's the, he or she is the chief musician, right? So they take those instruments or those voices and they shape them over time. And then that performance that you see, that's just the tiny little tip of the iceberg. There's been so much work that's gone into it. And the conductor is the chief musician. The conductor is, is to music what the, the director is to film. So, uh, you know, in my undergrad years, I studied under Dr. Sharon Paul was my mentor, Dr. Sharon Paul. She was this really fun-loving, just uh, someone who every aspect of her life was mentorship, mentorship, mentorship. And she was this amazing musician. And all throughout undergrad, I sang in her choirs. I uh, took every conducting class that she ever had. I did every, I would, I would ask her to, can I be an assistant, you know, when you do a, a workshop? I learned everything that I could about Dr. Sharon, uh, about conducting from Dr. Sharon Paul, except the one thing was, in all of that learning, I still had never actually conducted a choir. So I had all this knowledge, and I, I had not yet conducted a choir. And then one day in my senior year, she surprised me by saying, hey, guess what? I can't be there Monday night for university chorus. I need you to lead the, the rehearsal for university chorus. And this was like 150 voices. It was probably more than 100, 150 people. It was the university choir where anybody could be in it. So it was just was, was huge. But what made it really intimidating was the university chorus was filled with my peers that were also music students. And to make it even more intimidating, 
there were professors from the entire music department that sang in the university chorus. So here I am, this complete novice, and I'm going to stand in front of them and lead them. And I, I told Dr. Paul, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And she, you know, just always being the mentor, she said, here's the deal. You've been in my choirs for three years. I would stand in the front row and watch her from four feet away, like that proximity of, of, of watching her lead. And she said, you've been to all my classes. You helped me with my workshops. At a certain point, you're not going to be a student of conducting anymore. You're going to be a conductor, and you get to do that on Monday night. And so, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't confident, but at that rehearsal, that Monday evening, I got out there, I did it in front of 150 people, and I went in that moment from being a student of conducting, and I actually became a conductor of a choir. So how's this related to our discipleship and our discipleship of being activated? Well, if you've got a Bible device or if you have a pew Bible there, um, grab your, uh, your Bible. We're going to open up to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, as the text is known. And um, in, uh, in first gathering, when we had the kids look up the, the text in the Bible, it's on page 1,000. It's a nice even number, page 1,000. Matthew 28, 16, 20. This is the very end of Matthew's account of his discipleship with Jesus. Uh, and I'm a context person, so I always want to know just what happened. So if you looked in the verses right before, here's what happened. Jesus has been resurrected, uh, like, in, like he just now has been resurrected, and uh, he's appeared to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, as it calls her, and, uh, and he told them to go and tell the other remaining 11 disciples that he is resurrected, he's alive, and he wants them to go make the journey back to Galilee, where they're from, and he will appear to them there. So in verse 16 of our text, Matthew 28, 16, he says, uh, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. This is the first time they'd seen him after he was resurrected. So they worshipped him. Some, some of them doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Everybody loves that part of the, of the text, right? I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so if we can imagine those, those moments leading up to that, you know, you're one of Jesus' 11 disciples, and the last time you saw Jesus uh, he wasn't alive. He had been crucified and was being sealed up in his tomb. And can you imagine the defeat that you would have felt in that for two days? But then all of a sudden, the, uh, on, the, on the third day, you've got the two Marys are coming to the disciples and saying, guess what? Jesus is alive. He wants you to meet him in Galilee. And you think, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, but you've been with Jesus for three years and you've been seeing a lot of crazy, wacky stuff. So you're just like, all right, I'm going to go to Galilee. So you go to Galilee, you make the journey on foot, mind you, like on foot in sandals in the Middle East. But they get, to, they get there and what's the first thing that Jesus wants to tell them after he's resurrected? If I was, <laughs> you know, like I joked earlier, uh, uh, you know, reality TV, come on, Jesus, it's all about the reveal. You like make a big reveal of your, I've been resurrected, but no. The first thing he says to them, the first thing out of his mouth is he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples. 
I'd never noticed that before I got into this text, that that's the first thing that Jesus says of all the things that he could have said at that moment. His top priority is to say, guess what? You guys now get the privilege to go out and introduce people to me. And I imagine that Jesus had to, you know, we read this passage uh, and so business-like, but he had to be smiling. There had to be some kind of energy in there because that was where the, the, the disciples, uh, things were, were shifting for them big time. They were going from being disciples who he had been teaching to being those who are going to go out and preach the gospel. And Jesus is like, you guys didn't know this, but this is where this has all been going. And in, uh, in John What's the, what's the text? John uh, 20, 21 is the John, Gospel of John version of this pericope. And in that one, it's really succinct. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Think about that for a second. As the Father sent Jesus to the world, now Jesus is sending us out into the world. So the, here's the deal. The big commission, or the great commission rather, um, you know, as, as this is known, the Great Commission of Jesus is where Jesus flips that switch and our discipleship, everything that we've learned as disciples, every way that we've grown and been developed as followers of Jesus at that point, it's activated and we become the people who are going to introduce people to Jesus. It's the activation of our call, which is what this series is named after. You know, this whole series, The Call, The Life of Discipleship, it's been modeled after those lives of the disciples that they spent, do you remember how, many, how long were they with Jesus? Does anybody remember? They were with him for three years. So when we read the Gospels, if I sat down and I opened up, uh, you know, the Gospel of John and I read it out loud, how long would that take? 12 minutes maybe? This is three years of their lives, three years that they lived with Jesus in every single waking and sleeping moment, every exciting thing. We hear all the exciting highlights, right, that are in the text. But what about all the really boring like, what about the mundane times of living with Jesus? Uh, we, we don't get a sense of that from the text. We have to use our imaginations for that, which incidentally is why this, uh, the Chosen series, if you haven't seen the Chosen, it's so great because it activates our imagination around, around, around that discipleship living that they did. And, and what's more is it's uh, Jesus' individual discipleship with each individual disciple. You get to see how their individual ways that they were created how Jesus engages those things. He didn't just stand in front of the disciples and say, okay, guys, write this down. He engages with every single disciple over the three, uh, that three-year time together. So what's my point here? Well, like my three years of learning to be a conductor, the disciples also had three years where they were learning and, you know, Jesus was, was in fact teaching them things and things that they needed to know. And that must have been enough time for them to know that, you know, what they needed to know to get them started as disciples. But I think the real game changer, the, re the real difference here um, is that what uh, activates their discipleship, it actually, in fact, let's look in verse 18, the second half of verse 18, what really activates their discipleship kind of catches you off guard if you're, if you're not looking for it. He said, what did he say? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So all authority over all of creation has been given to Jesus the Son. And then what does he say at the, at the end of that passage, at the second half of verse 20, he says, and surely I am with you always. So Jesus is telling us that he, our God, who has authority over 
literally everything, is with us always. Do you guys think about that? I mean, do we think about that as disciples? God is with us. Like the Holy Spirit, the, God, the person of the Holy Spirit is with us and will always be with us. Because unlike my three years of learning, uh, you know, uh, their discipleship and our discipleship as well is activated. It's not activated, activated by how well we know the Bible, right? It's not activated by how good of a Christian we are, how what a great person we are. Our ability to be true disciples of Jesus and to introduce people uh, to Jesus is activated. It's switched on by the presence, the indwelling presence of God in the Holy Spirit. That's pretty, that's pretty huge. That's a major shift in the lives of the disciples. They'd been learning, but now something is majorly different. That God is with them and God is with us. And we know how the story ends, right? We've, we've read about how the uh, Jesus says, I'm going to send a helper to be with you. And then he sends the Holy Spirit. And there no longer is the temple needed because there was a, in, the, in the Old Testament, there was a, a temple where God's presence resided. But now we are the temples. We are literally the temples of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Not if you're, if you're tracking with me. Awesome. It's a big deal, right? It's God's presence with us in the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus go, guess what, you guys? You get to be disciple makers now. And I hope that that's, you know, if there, as, as we often hear, if there's one thing you want to take away from today, I hope that that's it, is that we'll remember that it's God's cultivated presence within us. It's, uh, you know, we have God's presence, but it's our effort that we put into uh, cultivating that, partnering with the Holy Spirit um, that's what we want to remember is that God is with us, the God who has authority over heaven and, earth, and on earth. So that's the one thing I want you to take away from today. All right, in the next three weeks, we have three weeks left of this, uh, this series. And so we're going to, from here, we're going to take some practical steps at looking at some structures that we can put into place in our lives so that we can partner with Jesus in his kingdom work better. And, um, and I'm not, you know, we're not going to be talking about the three steps of evangelism. We're not, you know, going to be talking about evangelism, which is telling people about Jesus, and that's part of discipleship. But no, we're going to be looking at some practical things that we can build into our lives, that we can live into, uh, enough to the point where Man, if, if we do this and our God is with us, leading others to Jesus, is, it's just going to happen because God is with us. It takes a lot of the pressure off of us. First thing that we're going to look at next week, Pastor Ben is going to uh, uh, show us how the unique ways that we're all wired, the unique ways that we're created um, uh, in, in each individual person, those are how we're going to be able to contribute our assets to the kingdom. You know, what are those things that we all do so well? What are those things that we can do so well that we don't even have to think about it? It just comes naturally to us. Surely there's a way that we can use those um, as a way of introducing people to Jesus. And we've got so many people here in our church that are owning this big time. Blake Osaby, who some of you might know Blake Osaby. He's one of our worship drummers, right? A little applause from student section. Blake plays drums with our worship team. He's, he's a, a really great drummer. He could be a pro drummer, but that's just a tiny little fraction of how Blake has, has given himself over to be used for the kingdom because he's also a fine artist. He's a painter. He has paintings in galleries across the, uh, across the country. And if you talk to Blake about his art, it becomes really clear 
that his artistry is inseparable from his journey that he has had with God throughout his whole life. That, that is what his art is. And so as he's out in his artsy world and he's sharing this with people, he's introducing people to Jesus through this, through this amazing talent that he has. But then on top of that, on top of just using those talents, he also has fashioned his life. He's carved out time so that he can be one of our adult disciples on our student ministry team. So he make, makes time every Wednesday to be here to, uh, to be present in the lives of our students. Isn't that cool? And then we also have um, uh, uh, Carlita Lindsay. She's a mom uh, from our church who heard, she just heard that there are people that want to serve with student ministry team, but they have their own kids. So what are they going to do with their kids every Wednesday when they come here to be present for our, for our teenagers? And so she was like, I love caring for, for kids. I I'll take as many children as you bring me, and I will care for them. I could do that in my sleep. So every Wednesday, those parents are able to drop their kids off at her house so that they can come here and be present for our students. Is that not God's economy? That's how God's economy works. Uh, so thank you, Blake, Carlita. You guys are awesome. Uh, all right, so, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have time. I got to skip this part. Um, so that's how we can contribute using our, our own individual skills and, and gifts and abilities and whatnot. Then and the week after that, Shelly, Pastor Shelly, what up, is going to lead us through, uh, she's going to lead us through a phrase that you probably have heard Pastor Jeff uh, say before, raising the spiritual temperature in any room. And what that means is, you know what? If we have the Holy Spirit with us, if God is, the person of God is with us, and if we mindfully say, you know what, Lord? I've got the God who has all authority in heaven and on earth with me. So you lead me in these areas and these arenas that I find myself, and you watch God raise that spiritual temperature in the room. That won't be because you're an awesome disciple, discipler. It will be because God is with you. And then in the following week, the very last week of the series, um, Ben will lead us through, you know, we are commissioned to our spheres of influence. Whatever our spheres might be, um, Jesus has said, I want you to be the good news, and he's commissioned us. So you're hearing that activation part. There's a certain point where all of us as disciples, we're going to be activated, and we will be the ones who lead people to Jesus. Well, I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and uh, in just a moment, we're going to respond to the Lord in worship. Um, but as we do that, I want to make this even easier for us. Uh, we really only have one job right? We only have one job. And if you were at the rowers event on Wednesday evening, you may have heard Pastor Jeff say, he referred to this as, this is our one pillar, all right? Our one pillar is to remember who is with us. And who is with us? Who did this text tell us is with us? The very God uh, who holds all authority in heaven and on earth. That's our one job. If we remember that that is who is with us, that's going to inform every area of our life. It's going to inform our worship it's going to inform the ways that we live, that our God is with us in the Holy Spirit. And so will you stand with us and we'll continue to worship. And as, and as you stand, I want to uh, offer you uh, a couple of invitations. First of all, if, you have, if, you're, if you're going, I don't think I've invited the Holy Spirit to, to reign in my life. And, and you might even not even have decided that you want to be a disciple of Jesus. You can absolutely do that today as we worship. And as we sing this song, you can just, these words that we're about to sing are so perfect in expressing to God what it is that you are feeling in your spirit.
And then secondly, if you have already entrusted your life to Jesus, if you already identify as somebody who is a, as a, is a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then hear this invitation. Trust the presence of God that's with us in the Holy Spirit. We can trust that. And, and I really genuinely think that if we just remember, wow, the God who has authority in all of heaven and earth is with me and resides in me, then what else could, what could go wrong with that, right? Philippians 2.13, I apologize to the staff. They hear me say this all the, all the time. The last two years, this verse has rocked my world. It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill God's good purpose. We could trust God's presence with us. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.